The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today we have a real live dad advocate. We've got David Hirsch, who's the founder of the 21st Century Dads Foundation. David, welcome to Exploring Different Brains. Hackey, thank you for having me. Pleased to be part of the program. Well, why don't you introduce yourself properly? Uh, my name is David Hirsch. I'm a native Chicagoan. I'm the father of five uh, adult children. They're 23 to 30 years old. And I've been an outspoken advocate for father involvement for about 23 years once our fifth child was born. What is 21st Century Dads Foundation and uh, Special Fathers Network, and how did this come into being? Great question. Um, I would just take you back just a little bit to put it into context, and I hope I answer your question. So I started advocating for father involvement about 23 years ago, and the initial charity, which still exists today, is the Illinois Fatherhood Initiative, the country's first statewide not-for-profit fatherhood organization. And the mission of IFI, if I can call it that, is to actively engage fathers in the educational lives of their children. We've learned that if you could only do one thing, it would be to get fathers involved in the educational lives of their kids. And then more recently, about five years ago, not quite, I felt God was calling me to do something on a larger scale. And uh, that was the birth of the 21st Century Dads Foundation. It started out quite differently than what it is today. And I'll, uh, I'll just mention that the initial project or event was to do a cross-country bicycle ride from Santa Monica to Chicago. And it was a 21-day, 2,300-plus mile ride. I was the only person that rode from start to finish. There were nine other riders that accompanied me for a day or days along the route. And it was a transformative experience. We were honoring dads in community by community from California back to Illinois. And uh, uh, it was remarkable, um, first of all, that I actually lived to tell the story. I was then 54 years old, and I rode, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating or patting myself on the back, but 112 miles a day, every day, on average, for 21 days in a row. And uh, it gave me a little bit more confidence to talk about this uh, issue of father involvement. Um, I ended up giving a TEDx talk. I ended up writing a book. And we did another couple of dad's honor rides. And we realized that what we had set out to do wasn't happening. Um, what I meant by that is that our objective was to get fatherhood organizations from around the country to work together. And even though I've got relationships with men and women who are advocating for father involvement around the country, we just couldn't seem to work together. So we had to make a decision. Um, what are we going to do with this little not-for-profit startup, the 21st Century Dads Foundation? And instead of closing it, we decided to pivot, and we started something called the Special Fathers Network. And the Special Fathers Network is a dad-to-dad -dad mentoring program for fathers raising kids with special needs. We match the more seasoned dads with the dads that are close to the beginning of their journey. And in a perfect world, you know, not only with the same special need and the same gender of the child, but all the other metrics that you'd want to match up. Well, what are some of the common challenges that a special needs dad runs into that a regular dad doesn't? 
That's a great question. I would say, first of all, I'm not speaking from experience. Um, my wife and I are blessed to have five children. Um, I want to be um, upfront. Um, my wife and I do not have a special needs child. My mom was a special ed teacher. My brother's special needs, but I don't actually have a child with special needs myself. So I don't want to give the impression that I'm speaking from experience. For purposes of our conversation and the use of the term special needs, let's just say that for the most part, um, it's something that um, a child is born with or develops um, as a result of, of their um, situation. And the big ones that people think about and talk about the most are autism, which I know that you've had a lot of experience with, with your show and the work that you do, uh, cerebral palsy, um, Down syndrome. Um, there's a lot of um, more rare genetic disorders. And uh, a special need could also come as a result of a, an accident, um, a car accident. Somebody slips and falls, they hit their head. They have a traumatic brain injury. Somebody has PTSD. There's a lot of different situations that might lead to a physical uh, challenge or uh, intellectual challenge or a combination of the above. So to your point, your question, which is, you know, what are the common themes that a father who's raising a child with special needs has? Well, he has all the other challenges that any father would have, trying to maintain a relationship with the mother of his child if they're married. And if not, you know, being a non-custodial dad in many situations, um, the pressures that go along with trying to be present in a child's life, not just financially, which is what the state cares about, but physically, emotionally, and spiritually in a child's life. And then the additional challenge that goes um, along with the, wow, um, this isn't something we would have asked for or something that I have any familiarity with. So they have to uh, bring themselves up to speed on what is this uh, special need all about. And um, at least historically, moms have been the greatest advocates for their kids in a typical situation or a special needs situation. So they're the ones out there gathering information about healthcare, about education, and bringing that information back into the house. And uh, hopefully the dad's participating. But uh, one of the things uh, that I've witnessed um, with the 300 or so dads that are involved with the network, the 80 plus dads that I've interviewed for the Special Fathers Network Dad to Dad podcast, is that there's a, a fir at first a sense of denial. Like, oh, things will get better. Um, let's just give it a little bit more time. Uh, which, you know, in some cases is the truth. Um, but, you know, if you let too much time go by and you're not able to come to grips with the fact that there is a, a challenge uh, or a delay of some type, you know, you're doing yourself, you're more importantly doing your child a disservice because oftentimes the earlier intervention means that you know, the issue's been addressed and you're seeking out the right therapy, whether it's occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, or whatever it might be. So I think that that's one thing that I've witnessed that uh, dads talk about a lot, which is that they wish they would have engaged faster. They wish they would have been more intentional. And uh, I think another challenge, but it's not a challenge in the special needs community, but it's exacerbated um, by um, men, our gender, which is uh, we're fixers. Um, if we're lost, uh, you know, the old adage is if we're lost uh, in the car, um, you know, we're going to figure it out on our own. And I jokingly say, thank God for GPS. That's probably saved a lot of relationships, a lot of marriages. But, you know, in all truth, um, you know, we want to figure it out by ourselves. There's this rugged individualism that, you know, is um, 
um, evolved over time. And I think it's just part of being a guy. And then if you're a dad with a child with special needs and you take that, you know, sort of I'm going to figure out on my own approach, you know, you're really putting yourself behind the eight ball and your child behind the eight ball. So I think one of the things that dads who are raising a child with special needs need to focus on more than maybe just a typical dad is that I need to err on the side of making myself more available, maybe showing some vulnerability. Maybe I don't have it together and seeking out um, resources. So are there additional reasons why you feel that there's so much more father absenteeism versus mother absenteeism? Yes, I think that uh, it might be stating the obvious, but uh, um, I'll, I'll throw some numbers out there. Uh, back in 1970, the um, auto wedlock birth rate was known to be about 11%. Today, the auto wedlock birth rate sadly referred to as the pre-marriage birth rate, right? We have sort of candy-coated what we're talking about, which is more politically correct, is at 41%. So where it might have been closer to one out of 10 children back in 1970 being born out of marriage, outside of a marriage, uh, today it's four out of 10. And that statistic, that trend is not likely to reverse itself. So there's a lack of paternity being established at the time of birth. And um, uh, there's usually 100% certainty who the mother is when a child is born, for obvious reasons. But there's the uncertainty about who the dad is, right? And uh, if there's not a, a dad's name on a child's birth certificate, um, that's one issue. That's not the issue, but that's one issue that's created a higher level of father absence than we might have experienced decades ago. The second issue has to do with divorce. Uh, the divorce rate in our society has been at 50%. It's estimated to be at a higher level. I can't tell you, I can't prove that, um, at a higher level in the world of special needs. And if it's for no other reason that there's additional pressure that goes along with raising a child with special needs, the emotional trauma, uh, the financial um, burden that goes along with having to seek out additional resources that might not be covered by you know, somebody's health uh, care insurance. Um, and then there's this issue of abandonment. So dad's abandoning the responsibility. So in addition to paternity not being established and the divorce rate going up and fathers not living with their kids, uh, we have men that are absent or not present uh, emotionally um, or physically or spiritually in their kids' lives. So um, the deck is stacked against uh, kids that are growing up in father absent homes. The um, Incidents um, uh, of divorce you know, certainly is a contributing factor, but a child is um, four times more likely to grow up in poverty, nine times more likely to grow, uh, drop out of high school if his uh, father is not present. Well, we certainly see that in the uh, Boys and Girls Club of Broward County here in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, for instance, if you go to the the Hackey Reitman Boys and Girls Club, which is in the worst zip code in the world, 33311. Is there actually a Hackey Reitman Boys and Girls Club? Yes, there is. How do you get a Boys and Girls Club named after you? They donate a building, so they put your name on oh. it. <laughs> but uh, okay. note to self. But I've been on the I've been on the corporate board for about thirty plus years, oh, and wow. um, we're very proud. We serve twelve thousand kids, and we have about a ninety percent high school graduation rate. But 
If you go in and ask and raise your hand if you have two parents at home, nobody raises their hand. If you ask one parent at home, you get maybe about a half. And then a lot of being raised by grandparents, foster homes, everything else. In my Asper Tools book on Asperger's autism and neurodiversity, I call the, uh, the single moms the uh, angels with a pit bull mentality because the husbands have gone to the hills and they got to earn a living. They got to fight with the teachers, the doctors, the educational system, and the kids themselves. And, um, you know, Irma Bombeck wrote a beautiful poem about that. I wrote a blog article about how, what angels they are. But it's, uh, it's a sad commentary on our society. And uh, more, we need more uh, 21st Century Dads Foundations and Special Fathers Network, not just for the kids with special needs, but for all, all the children. Although I will dare say that one of the reasons we started differentbrains.org is that if you start adding up all the different silos of uh, mental health issues and neurological issues, and then developmental and learning uh, differences issues. It's a majority. It's not a minority. It's it's lots and lots of uh, lots and lots of kids out there, and uh, of course denial, at least at the onset, is a, a big big factor. But another factor also is that the uh, you know, society is kind of one size fits all, whether it's education, employment and everything. And all of our brains are different. So we've got to kind of uh, treat everybody with a little bit uh, differently, just like you do in your business or a good salesman does. You don't treat every client the same way because their brains Absolutely. are different. Their brains are different. Um, what would you say to a new father out there? It's the journey of a lifetime, uh, being a dad. It's why we're here. And if you were to err, uh, err on being present, not only physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, but uh, be there, be engaged um, as much as you can. And uh, it's been often said that the most important thing that a father can do is to show the love that he has for the mother of his child, if not his wife. What kind of response have you been getting in the communities you serve? Well, um, let's talk about the Special Fathers Network, um, where I've been pouring my heart and soul the last uh, couple of years. I think I'd mentioned earlier we have over 300 men who have volunteered as mentors. Um, it's been a very warm embrace. Not every guy is willing to be involved with the network, and certainly not all guys are willing to share their story publicly, vis-a-vis doing an interview like we're doing here today. But um, virtually every one of the dads, Becky, has told me that they wish there was something like this when they were a young dad, right? A resource, somebody who understood what they were going through, um, what a valuable thing it would be. And then some of them will add, but I don't know that I would have taken advantage of it, which is a very revealing comment, right? It has something to do with our psychology as men, which is intellectually, we understand that I would be better off, my child would be better off if I could be learning from a drafting behind somebody who's already been there and done that. It is so logical. 
But there's something about us as men that we're Neanderthals, right? That we're like still doing things the same old way. And that I think has been one of the biggest hurdles because here we've got 300 plus dads who um, are seasoned. Some have, you know, 10 years of experience, some have 20, some have more. But we're trying to get in front of these young dads, the dads that have children that are zero to three early intervention age, or maybe they're three to five, three to eight years old. So they're in the thrust into the world of IEPs. And I don't want to say it's virtually impossible, but it's super difficult, right, to get in front of those dads in a systematic way. And we really need people's help, right, to help identify those young dads. And logically, if it's difficult to reach the dad directly, what makes sense is to, you know, communicate with the moms, right? Going back to the the moms are the ones gathering information on education and health care for their children. And oftentimes, I'll just reflect on my own experience. My wife and I have been married for almost 37 years. When our kids were a lot younger, my wife would say, oh, I signed you up for something, or you should look into this, or here, read this. So I think that you know we need to make sure that we are empowering the moms, who no doubt in most cases want the dad to be more involved, uh, to get involved. And maybe that's part of the solution as well. Well, it's interesting is, you know, as a physician, uh, we know that the healthcare decision maker in the family is the mom. That's who makes right. the decision. And uh, I don't know, the older I'm getting, the older I'm getting, David, the more I'm feeling that uh, women are just uh, far superior to men in many, many different ways. <laughs> I'm well, if you've been married for the length of time that I have or other, once you acknowledge that and embrace that, life is so much easier. <laughs> well said. Well said. Um, is there anything we have not spoken about today that you would like to talk about? Well, I think I made passing reference to the fact that uh, the 21st Century Dads Foundation and the Special Fathers Network, uh, we've uh, created a podcast. It's called the Special Fathers Network Dad to Dad Podcast. Um, I'm interviewing men, mostly men, um, some grandpas, um, some siblings. And uh, to date, out of the first uh, 80 plus interviews, I've uh, interviewed one woman for the Dad to Dad Podcast. And these are very inspirational stories um, from men telling their stories um, about the challenges that they've experienced uh, raising a child or in some cases children with special needs. And in most cases, these are dads uh, who, you know, learned either at the time of birth or uh, as a result of a delay of some type that they have a child with special needs. Um, in rare or situations, it's a dad who maybe married somebody, um, became a stepfather to a child with special needs. And even in a more rare situation, uh, a dad and a mom who have adopted a child with special needs. So they went in eyes wide open for the challenge that lays ahead. And um, anyway, um, it's the Dad to Dad podcast. It can be found on all the major podcast platforms. That's great. What, what do you feel, David, that society can do to encourage and support special needs dads? Yeah, well, I think it's uh, not just special needs dads, but just being more aware of what's going on in those families that have children with differences. And being uh, vigilant um, in their own parenting um, or erring on the side of um, accepting and including 
families uh, with special needs. And it's like uh, anybody with a disability, for that matter. Um, we're talking about, for the most part, dads and parents raising children with um, children with special needs. But I think it speaks to the broader community about disability. And um, uh, like the amazing work that Special Olympics has done over the last 51 years to uh, draw attention to celebrate um, the fact that people have differences. Well, you know, we're all different, right? Some of us are tall, some of us are short, some of us are thin, some of us are fat, some of us have hair, you and I don't. Uh, some, uh, but, you know, um, we're all different, right? Like you were saying earlier, you know, people's brains are different. It's hard to tell what somebody's brain is because you can't see it. But a lot of the things that, you know, we see in the visible world, you know, help differentiate us. And I think what we need to do is celebrate those differences as opposed to uh, compartmentalize people that have different abilities. And um, I'm super enthusiastic about helping bridge the gap between the broader community and the disability community or the special needs community with the work that we're doing. Well, David Hirsch, keep up the great work. Thank you so much for taking the time to be our guest here at differentbrains.org. Well, thank you for the opportunity to share a message about the 21st Century Dads Foundation, the Special Fathers Network, um, which can all be viewed at uh, 21stCenturyDads.org as well. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.